Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 23 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Gains with Gerds. This is a podcast for individuals who understand that one hour they spend in the gym massively impacts their other 23 and how those other 23 hours and how you live your life, your lifestyle massively impacts the effort you're putting into that one hour in the gym. Welcome, guys. This is episode like number six. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. And, you know, this is a special episode. And I'm really excited to talk about today's topic because it's something that nobody's talking about. Okay. Progression. But progression is a principle covered in my Fit RSVP framework that I developed for how to. Um, write the best workout programs for yourself. Okay. And it's like, what if somebody didn't have any knowledge of exercise science or human physiology, it's what I would recommend they need to have some understanding of before they enter the fitness marketplace. Because there's a lot of people uh, promoting different things in this industry. And if you're educated enough to understand that fit RSVP framework, you're going to be like an educated consumer and you're going to be able to make decisions that are going to serve you going forward. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Um, guys, I also wrote an ebook and I am almost done with it. I'm so excited guys. Like literally when I first considered writing training secrets, okay, it's the 23 hours training secrets ebook. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to write an e like come on. so many people do that. Right. And I thought about it long and hard before I was just like, Oh, I'm going to do it. Like I've been wanting to write a book for a long time. Um, over everything that I've been exposed to. And I'm fortunate. Like I, I'm very thankful. I'm actually blessed. Like I spent some time at a gym called on it. Um, when I was in my master's degree at the university of Texas and I would drive to campus straight from on it after training clients and being a part of the strength and conditioning team there and on it sports performance where we had guys like Earl Thomas and Kenny Vaccaro and all these other NFL athletes and professional MMA fighters and all these other big names come through the, the, the gym all the time. And I was able to have, I was actually able to have conversations with these people and get to know them. And I learned so much from that experience, but more importantly, I learned a lot from like, um, the people that would come through on the weekends, right? Like the, the coaches, the trainers from around the world that this place attracted. And I was so, so blessed to be there for a few years, especially when I had my formal education going on at the same time that I had my, um, self-education happening at the gym, right? Because there were certifications on the weekend that I went to. I think I did over 10 certifications just in the two-year period I was there um, just because it was available. And I'm so thankful for everybody I worked with over there and those people, amazing, and all the coaches that would come through and and teach. But what happened is like I literally condensed almost a, a career worth of fitness into like eight years for myself, right? With like the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, and then all the certifications and exposure and experience like at a professional level, it was just the most amazing experience. And that's why I felt comfortable writing the ebook, okay? So that's why I tell you guys that is because like a lot of people out there are like, oh, download my ebook and read it. You have to understand that like this, this is something that I will look back at and on my deathbed and be like, I'm so glad I did that. And like, I talked to a lot of my mentors about it when I was writing it. And I was like, Hey, like, how should I phrase this? So like, you guys go check it out. The link's going to be in the description of this podcast. Whenever it's done being edited, it's very, very close. And oh my gosh, it's so cool because like, no matter what your background is in exercise science or like working out you're going to get value from it. And even if you're really, really intelligent, maybe you're a trainer listening to this. 
um, or you have a pretty good background, like it's still going to serve you because you have to learn how to explain this stuff to other people, right? That's where your impact is made. And that's how you can help your parents become healthier so they can live longer and, and teach them principles and habits that'll serve them. So, you know, really excited about that. But one of the chapters in the book I wanted to pull out and talk about today, progression, because progression is like, guys, progression is so complicated. And for somebody to sit here and say, like, you should do this or this, it's not that black and white. Because what progression is, first of all, it's a training principle in the fit RSVP framework that I discuss in the book, Training Secrets. But more importantly, it is the simple fact that like adaptation is what everybody's after. Okay. Adaptation is just like your muscle grows. Simple, simply put. Okay. Your body will gain just as much, if not more, muscle training smart than it will training hard. That's what makes progression complicated. I'll say that again. This is actually a quote from the book. It, your body will gain just as much, if not more muscle, by training smarter than it will by training harder. So it's not always about training harder, right? But that's like what that's how we're brought up. That's how we're raised is like, dude, it's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be fatigued. You're supposed to not want to show up. Like, okay, I get it. There's days for that. And everybody has days like that. But not all the time. It doesn't have to be that way. Especially in this COVID-19 world we're living in right now, where some people haven't been back to a gym in weeks, months. Uh, we're coming up on like seven months, eight months into this pandemic thing. So like, it, it's it's if you don't understand this and like you go and make a return to the gym, like you could destroy your gains. And I don't want you to do that. So this episode is extremely important. I just wanted to pull it out because like this is a topic nobody's talking about. Like I said, people will say like, oh, you know, linear rep progression models or periodization. And they talk about that in the literature too. And it's cool, but nobody's talking about it from like a lifestyle perspective, like a 23 hours perspective. Like how do I progress my workouts based off my life? Like I get it. I've been back squatting perfectly for years and it's time for me to change up. But I'm also like getting busier in my business life and my personal life is really stressful right now because I'm going through a divorce or I have a new girlfriend that I'm spending like a lot of time with and I really enjoy it. Whatever it is, like that's what nobody's discussing. So I want you guys to really understand progression and like how I view it so that y'all can make educated decisions when it comes time for y'all to go on work travel or take a leave from the gym for a few months because you go on a, a long vacation or you don't have time to go to the gym as much as you did before, so your frequency decreases, right? You were training six times a week before, and now you're training three times a week because it's all you have time for. Well, what happens to your progression? Do you have to do like uh, two-hour workouts three days a week now? Like Stuff like that matters, okay? So we're going to talk about it today. Um, I'm drinking a, a C4 energy drink. They actually sent me some energy drinks for free. So I'm trying them out. Um, it's like a brain power energy drink. It's pretty cool. But the um, the main thing that progression, and I can make it simple. I know I talked about adaptation and there's like neural adaptations or like, uh, what do they call it? Neurological adaptations or peripheral adaptations. And then there's like physiological adaptations, like actually in the muscle itself, right? So you have your brain, you have your muscle, and both of those have different adaptations after you expose it to training. Think about it when you learn to drive a car, okay? When you like first got in a car, I remember like my dad and I were in the car in a Nissan Armada on Bar Harbor Bend 
in uh, Round Rock, Texas. Actually, I remember it like yesterday. And I got in the car and I went to put my foot on the pedal and the steering wheel um, because we were at a stop sign and I would like convince my dad to let me drive uh, the rest of the block because we lived on that street. And he's like, sure, whatever. And I get in the passenger seat and I go to like put it in drive and I put it in neutral, of course. And he like adjusted it for me. I think I was like probably 14 at the time, maybe 13. And he's like, okay, slowly put your foot on the gas. And of course, like my ankle had no control. I had no idea what I was doing. So I like slam on the gas on accident. The car lurches forward and he's like, oh, let off. So I let off and he's like, okay, hit the lever to the left of that, the brake. And I slam on the brakes, right? And it's like the most bumpy ride ever, right? And at the same time I'm doing all of this, I'm paying no attention to where I'm steering the car. So we are going towards the curb and conveniently placed, there's a brick wall behind that curb. And he's literally like, he grabs the wheel and turns it. And I slam on the brakes again. And it was the most awkward situation ever because I literally felt like I had no control over my body. Right. And then fast forward a few years after that, and I'm going like 95 miles per hour uh, at midnight through a construction zone at 17 years old. And I get a speeding ticket for going 30 miles over the speed limit and also go to almost go to jail. What changed? Like, why would I, why was I comfortable uh, at, at 13, barely getting in the passenger seat. And then at 17 years old, I'm going 90 miles per hour in a construction zone with no light on the road. Like wh- where is the difference? Well, what happened is, is same as you guys, you just got better at it repetitively. Right. And I talk about this a little bit in the beginning of the book and the law of specificity, but with progression specifically, like you have to have a plan of action to uh, take into account what I just what I just said. Like you're gonna get better at whatever you do, so have a have a plan to progress your movement patterns, but also to progress the other principles we discuss discuss and fit RSVP right, like frequency, intensity, tempo, rest, um, selection. How do you selection would be like exercise movements and then volume. How do you progress volume? And all of these things are related. So that's why it's like the most complicated thing. Okay. So the reason I bring up, it's the most important as well. And lastly, and then we're going to jump into what you guys can actually do about it. Your body is really smart, right? And like, if you think about it, like from a homo sapien perspective, uh, and a primal perspective, like it's not going to hold on to additional muscle that it doesn't need. So if we are specifically talking about progression for muscle mass, we have to understand that if we do not continue to progress our weight training, then we will not gain more muscle because our body does not see a need to gain more muscle. That's how this works. Like that's the simplest way I can put it. What's even worse than that, if you were to lift 30 pounds on a biceps curl for three weeks, I guarantee you on the fourth week of doing that exercise, you would go in, grab the 30s, and you would be able to do a few more reps. Why is that? Because your body adapted to that 30 pounds. That level of tension, because it's really muscular tension that causes the adaptations, um, that level of tension caused your body to change to a certain level, okay? And now that level for 12 reps with 30 pounds on the biceps curl doesn't do the same, it doesn't cause the same stress to your body. So you don't continue to see growth. Does that make sense? 
That's how you have to think about everything though. When it comes to endurance training, when it comes to power training, strength training, when it comes to uh, brain training even, your body adapts to the input that you get it, you give it. So that's just how it works. It's the um, general adaptation syndrome, Saley's general adaptation syndrome. I mentioned it before, um, but it's just how the body responds to stress. So the reason I, I love that for 23 hours too is it's a principle that applies to life. Like whatever you do repetitively, you're going to get better at, but not only are you going to get better at it, you're going to have a higher tolerance to it. So like, yeah, when you start that new job or you're getting into sales and like you just suck at calling people and having conversations, or maybe it's like this podcast, you want to start a podcast and you're like really bad at talking for more than 10 minutes. Eventually, after you expose your body to that stress, right, because it's something you don't want to do over and over and over again, what happens is you start getting better at it. But doing that 10 minutes after you get better at it isn't as hard anymore, right? That is what I love about the gym is it, it all the principles we talk about on this podcast can immediately be translated to those other 23 hours. So that's what the 23 hours philosophy is about, guys, bringing it back to that. But um, in terms of progression, I want to keep it real simple today because like I said, it's, it's really complex. We're talking about muscle gains, which you guys should care about, right? Because muscle matters. Uh, muscle matters massively for your health, okay? Not only from a physique and aesthetic standpoint, but for your health, muscle burns more calories than any other tissue in your body, okay? So it's going to help with your metabolism. And it's also going to, to support joint structures, okay? So it helps prevent injury. Um, it's going to help increase life, you know, life expectancy, uh, health parameters. It lowers, you know, it's got correlations to a lot of health markers, easily put, okay? So muscle matters, okay? And we're talking about weight training for muscle gain. Um, really, there's two things we want to talk about. Number one is FIT RSVP uh, or FIT RSV, I should say, because the P is progression. We want to talk about how we can progress fit rsv okay so frequency intensity tempo uh rest selection and volume but we also want to talk about more importantly uh let's just say like past injury history we want to talk about lifestyle as well okay so with those like three things in mind we can really make a game plan for you to progress your workout successfully okay so let's just start with uh our fit rsv okay so Really, what I did in the book to make it really simple is I, I kept the focus on exercise selection because what I see a lot of people do, especially after COVID-19 and the gym shutting down for a few months in Texas, a lot of people went back to their training as if nothing had happened before, right? They went right back to the barbell, okay? What I want you guys to understand is that after detraining after a few months matters, like... Your body, like I said, it's going to get rid of the muscle that it doesn't need. So if you stop giving it that stimulus that you were giving it, it's going to adapt in the opposite direction. It's going to get rid of those adaptations, the muscle growth, the anaerobic enzymes, all the stuff that made you super fit and athletic before is going to go away because your body doesn't need it anymore. It's just doing what it needs to survive. You have to understand that. Please understand that. There's one thing you take away from this podcast is that that's how the body works. That's why progression matters because if I go back to the gym after three months of not even touching a barbell and I throw the same weight that I threw on three months before for my back squat and I go to back squat, am I going to be able to complete even probably one rep? No, you're not because you lost all your strength adaptations. You probably lost all your muscle mass too. 
So like, what's your game plan then? How do you constantly bury your workouts in terms of progression and regression? Uh, that's something that nobody ever mentions, regression. How do I regress my workouts? We're going to talk about that, okay? So from an exercise selection standpoint is what makes it really easy, okay? I'm not going to talk about all fit RSV today because trust me, there will be plenty of episodes for that. Today, I really want to talk about exercise selection and then volume, okay? Because those two are the most important um, principles related to the principle of progression. You guys got it? You following me? Okay, so let's jump first into... Uh, a recap of what we discussed so far. All right. We have pretty much talked about like why progression matters and how you can apply it to real life context, right? Work trips, vacations, soccer tournaments over the weekend where you can't train. Your life got busier. Your life got more stressful. This is how you would adjust your workouts based off of those factors. That's what we're discussing today. That's why progression matters. Detraining okay, or regression matters just as much as progression matters and how the general adaptation syndrome states that this is necessary for us to understand and apply to not only our training, but also other aspects of our life. Okay. You guys with me? That's what we've talked about so far. So real quick, like, let's just use an example, the squat pattern. So post COVID you guys are, I don't know, maybe it's not COVID-19 anymore. And you're listening to this a few years later. Um, regardless, like you went on work vacation or work travel or whatever, and you were away from the gym for two and a half weeks after about two weeks, guys, I am convinced that number one, you start seeing decreases in muscle mass. Okay. Especially if you are an advanced lifter and you train all the time, this is what sucks about this whole game is the harder you train, the easier it is to lose your gains. Isn't that crazy? And the further you get into this game, the easier it is to lose your gains. <laughs> it's crazy. It sucks. Like the further you get, the easier you fall. And that's just the way it works like in life too, right? The higher you are on the mountain, the more people are trying to drag you down. And the quicker those people fall if they don't have the right habits and foundation in place. So let's just talk about the foundation. Like if I were to be in a period of where I haven't trained in two and a half weeks, do I need to go back to the gym and just murder myself right off the bat? No, please don't do that. Like, don't. Because one thing I want to uh, bring up again is that quote I told you guys about how like your body will oftentimes respond better to training smarter than it will from training harder. So it's not about training harder. Sometimes it's about training smarter. So you've been away from the gym for more than two weeks. Like your body is going to respond to uh, an intermediate intensity workout. Like it doesn't need a max effort lift. Okay, just get in there, move around, whatever. Um, but when we when we talk about like intensity, we can talk about that all day long. But when we talk about exercise selection, if you've been away from like back squatting for I would say more than three months, or bench pressing or deadlifting for more than two to three months, um, don't go back to back squatting with a barbell. Right. And I have actually in this ebook, I have charts in here for you guys for every major movement pattern and the progression of those movement patterns. So go check that out. It's actually really cool. It's in uh, the last chapter on progression, actually. Um, and what I have on here, like pretty much says, like, start with a bodyweight squat to a bench. Like, that's the most beginner exercise for the squat pattern, just a bodyweight squat to a bench, like sitting to a chair, pretty much. Right. And then standing up out of the chair with good technique. And then work your way back 
you know, to body weight squatting without the chair. Okay. Like a normal squat and then do a wall squat. Right. And then try like a landmine squat with a barbell where like you have that stability. You're not having to balance. You're leaning into the barbell and the weight is just in one plane of motion. Okay. Uh, and then try a dumbbell goblet squat eventually to a bench and then try a dumbbell goblet squat without the bench there and then get into more like dumbbells at your side squats and start loading it a little bit more and then get into like Zercher squats, right? Frankenstein squats, front squats. And then we get into like barbell back squat to a box and then just straight up barbell back squats is the kingpin of all squatting patterns. Does that make sense to you guys? So like if I had been away from back squatting for three months and I had, I've been squatting for a while, you need to assess where you're at. So go back to the gym, like warm up with like some goblet squats. And if you're like, oh my God, my legs are smoked, then stay with your goblet squats because that leaves you more room to progress your workouts over the next four weeks. That is the main principle of today's podcast, by the way, what I just said. That is, the, that is how you train smarter in terms of progression. The slower you start, the faster you'll be able to go. Isn't that crazy? Let's repeat that. The slower you start working out, the faster you'll be able to go. What I mean when I say that is you totally could go back to the gym and start back where you left off. I, do it. Whatever. Destroy yourself. Go for it. Your body will recover. You might be really sore. But that's not what we're after. We're after gains for the long term. Okay? You will not see more gains by making a return to normal activity more aggressively as opposed to more smartly. You just won't get more muscle on your frame from one workout versus another in terms of the intensity being way too high. Does that make sense? Like, I want to make sure you guys understand that and really hammer that into your head. If I were to use like endurance training for an example, and I haven't ran a mile in like three years, okay, do I need to go and run three? Or would I get the same amount of adaptation and benefit from running one? And you know what the best thing about that is? Is if I just one run, run one, excuse me, I'm going to be able to run probably another one on Wednesday and another one on Friday and another one on Sunday. But if I run three miles on Monday, I guarantee you I'll barely be able to walk or run until Thursday or Friday because I did so much damage to my body. Does that make sense to you guys? This is what training smarts about. Honestly, it's about doing the bare minimum to get the highest ROI. I look at it in business terms, right? In 23 hour philosophy, what amount, what's the highest percent return on my investment that I can get with this amount of money or effort or energy or time? That's what it's about. In the business world, same in the weight room, okay? So I hope that makes sense to you guys. What I'm really trying to say is that you have to have a plan to not only progress like your workouts, but also progress the movements within them. So for me, when I came back from COVID-19, to give you guys a real life example um, for myself, like I didn't start back with barbell back squat. I actually started with dumbbell squat, uh, goblet squats, um, which is very, very novice for me because I've been training for over eight years, nine years now in the weight room consistently. So my, I have an advanced training age. Some of you guys listening to this, you guys might uh, have got caught COVID or maybe you caught a work vacation or travel, um, you know, two months into your fitness journey. You're still a beginner, right? So you shouldn't have been back squatting in the first place, in my opinion. 
um, unless you are super proficient in your movement patterns and you have an athletic background. That's why this gets really complicated is because I can't sit here on this podcast and tell you guys what you need to do. You just need to understand how progression works and be able to assess your own body and how it responds to activity. If you are so sore on, after your legs on Monday and that you cannot train legs on Wednesday, you need to look at your training again because you do not have a long-term mindset in mind. You're not on steroids. Like you're a busy business professional with a career, a family, and a successful life outside of the gym. You're probably not taking anabolic steroids and chasing the Olympia. Okay. You're probably just trying to look better naked. And if that's you listening to this, please understand me. You cannot destroy your body every time you go to the weight room. It's just not going to be a long-term game plan for you. And the most success, most successful thing I can tell you is that if you consistently show up to the gym over a long period of time, lifting sub-maximal loads to a near failure, you will outdo everybody in the next three, five, six, seven years. But notice how I said three, five, six, seven years. Because I don't want you to have the mindset to be like, oh, I could look that way in six months. You're not going to look that way in six months. Okay. I, don't, I shouldn't say you're not. You're not going to go from zero to 100 overnight. It is a process. It's a journey. And I want to give you the tools and the mindset necessary to make it the entire journey and not get burnt out. Okay. And that's why we're discussing this progression stuff, right? So... Moving forward, like with the hinge, right? The deadlift, okay? Deadlift is kind of like a hinge pattern combined with a squat. I wouldn't recommend like going back to your deadlifts if you haven't done them in a few months, okay? If you've never done them before, then you need to master the hinge pattern first, okay? So start with like bodyweight hip hinges, progress your way to eventually doing RDLs with dumbbells, and then to eventually using like the trap bar to do an RDL, and then maybe you'd start doing some rack pulls with a barbell. And then eventually you're deadlifting um, in, in a kettlebell swing, okay, or using a kettlebell. And then maybe eventually you're deadlifting from the floor. And then maybe you're doing hang pulls. And then obviously the most explosive hinge you can do is like a power clean, right? So that's that's what I want you guys to understand is like bar, like the implements you use during your workouts is just as important, right? Barbells are going to be probably at the top of each one of these exercise selection progressions. Okay. Just, that's just how it is. Like dumbbells also, because they can get heavy and challenging, but like kettlebells and dumbbells and like lighter weights, like that's always a good place to start if not body weight, but your goal should always be to like progressing your body. And if you want to gain the most amount of muscle possible to more load and more load is achieved by using what a barbell or machines, right? Where machines, you can, you know, use a lot of weight and, and really stress the muscles. Um, you don't necessarily need to do that yet. If you haven't been to the gym in three months, you can probably just start with some body weight movements. So that's kind of the principle of this exercise selection stuff, guys, and the movement, um, pattern progression models that I have in the 23 hour training secrets ebook, check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Um, but let's, let's move forward to even more of uh, a, a topic that I, I love. This one is, oh man, this one is crazy. And it's so cool because yeah. I don't think anybody's ever organized it like this. At least they never did for me. Uh, but progressive overload schemes for maximum muscle gains. And I have plenty of charts in that ebook for you guys to reference. Like I said, it's going to be made free for you guys. The link will be in this bio, but um, it's still being edited and pub Oh, it's going to be great. But uh, these schemes are like, 
oh my gosh, I wish I would have known this six years ago when I started training for muscle mass. It would have changed everything. Like I just knew at the time that I needed to lift submaximal loads to near failure. So that's just all I did all the time. And I wasn't really tracking or progressing specifically. And I didn't really like, I wasn't that intent about it. Right. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely one of those people that's pretty intense. So let's talk about it. Um, we can start with the linear rep progression because I mentioned that. But linear rep progression is super cool because it allows you to not have to track your workouts that much. And that's what I posted on Instagram today actually um, was exactly that. Like that's what I'm using right now in one of my splits for four weeks is I am starting with three sets of eight on pretty much everything I do at an RPE of like eight or nine. Okay. I'm doing that and I'm going to progress that over the next four weeks to eventually doing four sets of 12 on every, every movement I do. So like I have my movements and they're going to stay the same for the next four weeks. It's simple because I have a lot going on in the business world right now and I need my workouts to be simple. Um, and in doing that, it frees up a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to do in the gym that day and I'm more likely to show up to the gym. Okay, so there you go. There you have it. 23 hours, huh? So the linear rep progression is is just adding one rep every week and trying to keep the weight the same. And then on the last week of the program, I like to add an extra set as well. So I'll go three sets of eight this week, three sets of nine next week, three sets of 10 the week after that, three sets of 11 the week after that. And then on the fifth week, I can do three sets or four sets of 12. You see how that progression happens? So I really like um, that model for um, muscle mass. It's been proven to work. Okay. It's just progressive overload in terms of reps and you're keeping the weight the same um, every week, or at least trying to, right? Because you're doing more reps with the same weight. So you're causing more stress to the body in an organized manner. Okay. Uh, next I want to get into classic linear periodization. Okay. So classic linear periodization and periodization is pretty much a term guys to discuss, uh, the relationship between intensity and volume. So traditionally with linear periodization, and if you haven't listened to the Fit RSVP Framework podcast yet, go back to that episode because this is this might confuse you. But to make it real simple, the intensity is like how hard you're working in terms of like either your one rep max percentages or the rate of perceived exertion, which is like how hard you think you're working um, one to 10 on a scale from one to 10. So classic linear periodization is like higher reps, uh, lower intensity. And then over time, the reps decrease and the intensity increases. So in terms of straight volume, your training volume kind of stays the same the whole time. That's why I've got beef with the classic linear periodization model. And we'll discuss that. But over time, intensity goes up. And this is really good for people who are like preparing for competitions like powerlifters, right? They like use different loading schemes to get to the points where they can squat super heavy so that when they go to the meet, they can squat really heavy. And that's cool, but that's not you and me unless you're doing competitions. So classic linear periodization is just really adding weight to the bar every one to two weeks and decreasing reps. Not really complicated. You can complicate it if you want, but research has proven time and time again that for uh, muscle gains, that can be beneficial. 
Um, it can be, but for athletic performance, non-linear periodization is always going to trump linear periodization. Okay. So I don't really talk about linear periodization that much because I just don't see it as necessary. And I'd rather do the linear rep progression because I don't want to have to track my weights and be like, Oh, I did 95 pounds last week. That means this week I do one 105 pounds and do less reps. I don't want to have to think like that. I want to be able to just go in there and know that I'm making progress towards my goals in the most efficient way possible without having to bring like a journal and track weights and take videos of every, you know what I mean? Like classic linear periodization is good for people who are super serious um, and are obsessed with how much weight's on the bar, which I'm not. I'm just obsessed with like whether or not my muscles are growing. Okay. So once again, that's kind of the difference between power lifters and bodybuilders, right? Powerlifters are obsessed with how much weight's on the bar and bodybuilders are just obsessed with, hey, my muscles look massive, okay? Or my aesthetics are amazing right now. I'm shredded, whatever it may be. So let's move forward. Double progression model. And like I said, you guys can view this chart in the ebook and the link will be in this, this description of this podcast. When it's finished, which is soon, double progression model is using the same work weight for all of your sets and then once you reach the top rep range uh, of that set for two weeks in a row, then you can add weight the following week. So this is a really, really simple way to progress y'all's weights, guys. Think about it this way. If I do a barbell bench press for three sets of eight to 10 reps, so this is the rep range. That's why it's the double progression model. And on week one, I'm using 135 pounds and I only get eight reps. And I'm like trying as hard as I can. I don't want to go to failure because it's at an RPE of eight to nine which is not all the way to failure. An RPE of 10 would be taking it to failure. Problem I see with a lot of people in terms of intensity is they're always training to failure. And if that's you, you need to listen to our, our specific episode on intensity that's about to come out because that is not the way to train for optimal muscle mass. You cannot train to failure all the time. I see so many guys do it in the gym. And like, I work hard. I'm just working hard. You're, no, it's not about working harder, man. Sometimes it's about working smarter. Like leave one or two reps in the tank, okay? Not all the time, but most of the time, okay? Anywho, I'm doing my three sets of eight to 10 reps. And for all three sets, I get eight reps, okay, with 135. And then the next week I come back and I get nine reps for with 135. And then the, the third week on my last set, I get 10. And I'm like, okay, well, I can probably add weight next week, right? So if you're going to do that, it's a great, it's a great idea. And I, I don't, I, I don't have a quarrel between linear rep where you're just like adding a rep every week versus the double progression model. Both of them are great. And you can probably just follow one for four weeks. And then for the next four weeks of your training, do the double progression model to change it up and have that variation in your training. The step like progression is really cool. Um, excuse me, the step like progression is really a way to like, um, a smarter way to do linear periodization. Okay. And I don't want to jump into that again, because I don't think that's as valuable for you guys as the, uh, add a rep a week and keep the weight the same or try and get more reps and add weight as you get more reps. So that's just kind of like a way to know your training based off of how you're feeling, um, and then the wave la wave loading is even more confusing and it's a fancy way to do linear periodization where reps are going down 
intensity is going up. Okay. So reps go down, intensity goes up. That is linear periodization, just a reminder. And there's a million different ways you can play that game. There's nonlinear periodization, which is the opposite. And it's not linear. So it's kind of randomized training where like some days you go heavy with less reps and then other days you go lighter with more reps. And then other days you go lighter with less reps and you focus on the velocity of the movement. And that's one of my favorite ways to train um, in certain cycles of my training uh, to get variation. Okay. So I have a lot of different advanced loading schemes in here for you guys to look at in the ebook. And I'd rather have you guys read it than have me try to discuss it. But the main thing I want you guys to understand is that these loading schemes matter for you to know because you, you have to be doing something. You can't just keep going to the gym and expect to make gains because you're doing um, different workouts every time you go to the gym. I, what I learned, and this is kind of crazy, but when, when I was training um, – early on and I was really trying to make gains. It was after I got done playing football in high school. Uh, and I would go to gold's gym at like 5am in the morning, my senior year of high school, when I realized I was done with football and I was just focusing on track and I was waiting to get offers to go to college to play ball, um, which I never got, but well, I did get some, they just weren't where I wanted to go. Um, but I kept training and, and I didn't have a coach. I didn't have that much knowledge, you know, the knowledge that I have now, and I would just train, man. I would show up to the gym and I would squat and I would bench and I would row and I'd do my lunges and stuff like that. And then I'd do my accessory work. And But it wasn't intentful. There wasn't a lot of purpose behind it. And I wasn't really progressing. And guess what happened? Like I didn't really see that much results when I was training like that. And I was 18, 19 at the time. Like I showed up to college at 190 pounds. Um, and then I started learning exercise science in my bachelor's. And I started applying some of the stuff I was learning um, in in my college. But, you know, even then I wasn't really learning about advanced loading schemes. I was learning about human physiology and getting an introduction to how the muscles work. And uh, I, I quickly went like, you know, once I learned these loading schemes, probably like my junior year of college when I went to the practical world and I started training people and and getting experience talking to other coaches and what they were doing, I, I went from like 200 to 225 220 at the same body fat percentage that's how much this stuff matters like i don't just talk about it because it's cool facts like no th this is how you get results in the gym the best way possible and this is why i'll always recommend to people who are getting a start into this industry or starting to train their bodies is like go seek out education go learn go grow because this this information once you know it it impacts your life in a positive way and then you can share it with other people and it's even better after that. Um, so, you know, these advanced loading schemes, the main two things I want you guys to take away from those are, are the linear rep progression. Um, I want to I want to hammer on that again. It's the first one we talked about. And that is just adding a rep every week. OK, and keeping the weight the same intensity is going to increase. Right. Because if I'm doing 10 reps now with 135 and last week I was only doing eight reps with 135. Did it not just get harder or more intense? Yes, it did. So you're still progressing in terms of intensity. You're just doing it in a different way than you are with our classic linear periodization where reps go down and weight goes up. We're keeping the weight the same or adding reps versus keeping the weight increasing while decreasing reps. Double progression model was the other one we discussed. And that one is where I only progress the weight 
if I can do more reps with the same weight for two weeks in a row. So if I can hit 10 reps, which is the top range of my eight to 10 rep range on my bench press, I can hit 10 reps, 135 this week, and then I hit 10 reps with it next week on my last set, then I can go up to 145 or 155 the following week for eight to 10 reps. And I'll probably be doing eight for a few weeks before I can eventually do 10. When it comes to the number that you should use to make progressions, never more than 20%. Okay. So like if I was doing hundred pounds, that means don't add more than 20 pounds to the bar. Uh, if I'm doing 200 pounds, don't add more than 40 pounds to increase the following week. Does that make sense to you guys? Um, obviously you have a rep range there, so you should still be trying to get eight reps. So for upper body movements, I always recommend adding five to 10 pounds. And for lower body movements, I recommend adding 10 to 20 because your, your muscles in your lower body are bigger, oftentimes more strong too. So, um, that's really how you can utilize different progressive overload schemes for max muscle gains. But there's so much other stuff we can talk about in terms of progression, right? Like we didn't even get into uh, supersets or compound sets or mechanical drop sets or rest pause or all these other techniques you can use to add in variation to your workout plan. But ultimately the goal, like really you're progressing. That's why I don't talk about variation as one of my principles is because if you follow these principles and are always thinking progress, 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 regress, progress, 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 regress, then you're going to be accounting for that variation because it's necessary for you to continue growing. Um, regression is another thing we can talk about. You can always regress in the opposite direction the same way. So you could always make decreases in 20% of training volume or intensity. Um, if you're trying to wane your training back down, or you can take some time away from the gym for all I care for a few weeks um, and that's when we can talk about deloading. Like, does this, Hey Tyler, like I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, so do I just keep like adding reps and weight until like I'm the size I want to be? And I was like, no dude, cause it, it could take you like, you know, five years to get to the size you want to be. So you can't just like, it's not just a straight line from here to here for five years. It, it has to have like, uh, imagine going up and then down up and then down but the overall trend is going to be a straight line and that's where we talk about deloads so when i was in my master's degree at texas i talked to dr coyle um, who has over 200 published research articles that are peer-reviewed that he has authored um he's a stud he's a legend and dr tanaka as well who actually developed the um heart rate training percentage recommendations which is insane um, because that's used worldwide. But these two individuals, I get to speak with them on a daily basis, right? So one of the questions I asked Dr. Coyle, and I think I asked it, asked it to Dr. Tanaka too, one day was like, what's your recommendation for detraining? And he was like, well, what's the goal? Like athletic performance or muscle or what? And I was like, well, kind of for like just generalization, like what would your advice be for somebody who trains hard whenever they go to the gym? And he was like, I would never do more than four weeks at a time of training hard. And I was like blown away by that because like I was so used to doing like 12 week programs where like you're increasing intensity and volume and everything for 12 weeks straight without a break. And he was like, no, every three weeks, that fourth week should be a deload. And I was like blown away by that guys. And I started, went into a little bit of the research on it and, uh, 
there's some differing opinions, but what I would what I would tell you guys is like just understand that if you feel like you're ran into the ground, okay, and this is just context. If you feel fatigued, if you're experiencing symptoms of like joint pain or uh, you're tired at work or you're not sleeping well or you have appetite disturbances or if you're a female listening to this and you're missing periods, that's like a huge red flag, okay? Um, By the way, just for health in general, if you're missing periods, it could be because you're training, believe it or not. Um, If you're moody or irritable uh, or you feel like you're not wanting to go to the gym, you you're you're it's getting harder and harder to go to the gym. You're experiencing overtraining, so you need to deload. If you experience that for more than like two or three workouts, and your performance is also decreasing, you need to take a break, ASAP. Overtraining is not good. You can stress your body to the point where it actually goes in the opposite direction, and that's why, like with progression, there has to be models and there has to be a framework behind it. Because if there's not, you guys are. I know you guys work hard. You want to be successful. That's why you listen to podcasts. And that's why you are educating yourself. You guys want to push and push and push and push. You have to understand the body needs rest and recovery. That's why like, there, you can't progress more than 20% for optimal muscle gains. Because if I make like 50% jumps every week, yes, you can do it. But eventually, it's going to cause injury, uh, over-fatigued, and you're going to not want to go to the gym anymore because you're either going to be hurt or you're going to be moody whatever it may be. So you guys, please understand that like this stuff matters, man. And I hope this helps you guys out. You guys can always reach out to me. Like you guys can email me Tyler at gainswithgirds.com. Send me an email. I will respond to it um, personally and keep an eye out for that ebook. Because like I said, the ebook kind of combines all of this fit RSVP framework together and provides you at the end of every chapter, like application based, uh, context to what we discussed in that chapter um so for for just to give you guys like a little recap and the application of what we discussed with progression um and the 23 hours uh secrets that we could apply to progression but just be always start slow to go fast okay and in leverage periods of detraining and make sure you're when you return after detraining the way you leverage that don't start back where you left off. That's what that means. So like if you had time away from work, when you get back from your time away from the gym, enjoy it. Don't train as hard as you did before. You don't need to. Enjoy those easier workouts. Get a pump. Feel good leaving the gym. Don't destroy yourself. It's not what this is about. This game is not about that. It's about uh, submaximally lifting to near failure over time is what this muscle mass game is about. And you're not going to do that if you destroy yourself every time you go to the gym. Um, and, and once again, most importantly, understand the impact of starting too fast will have on your progression and how it can increase your risk of burnout and injury and overtraining. Like understand why you have to have a plan in place for your workouts or a trainer or a coach helping you with that because you know, if you don't, then you're leaving it up to chance. And if you leave it up to chance, you're most likely either going to overwork or underwork. And neither one of those are good. You have to be training optimally for the long term. And so hope that guys helps you out. I, you know, I can't mention again, the complexity of, of progression. And there's so many questions I'm sure you guys might have that we didn't cover in this episode. And you guys can always feel free to email them to me and we'll cover them in a different one. Um, 
And, uh, you know, more importantly, guys, Supplement Secrets is in the works as well. Um, supplementations, I get questions on that all the time. What, what do I take? When should I take it? And I actually uh, have a mentor of mine who is one of the, oh my goodness, masterminds behind some of the supplements that you see on the market today. Uh, he's a PhD from Florida State University, and he's an incredible human being, but more importantly, he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to supplements because that's his job. He literally researches every day. He's written his own research in the field as well. Um, like I said, he's a doctor, a PhD, and uh, I actually got an interview with him that's going to be released in some of the next few episodes. So you guys show up again because that's what's coming up next on the 23 Hours Podcast uh, is is supplement recommendations of what you guys need to actually be taking, not wasting money on or uh, literally pouring down the drain. So thank you guys for listening in. Do me a favor and uh, share this. Uh, subscribe to my channel if you haven't already. I wouldn't ask you guys to do that if I wasn't trying to bring as much value as possible literally every single week and uh, provide some uh, just legitimate information in, in just an age of information overload to you guys so that you guys can not only train hard but also train effectively so you can be successful in the other 23 hours of your life. So subscribe, share this podcast with a friend or family member who, who you have in mind who could benefit from this information. And more importantly, guys, like, Get ready for supplement secrets and for that ebook to be published. But thank you guys. Uh, I love y'all. You guys take care and God bless.